There we go, the aroma of Christ to God. There were several spots in here I thought I could have used for the, uh, um, for the title. That very first line has the gospel of Christ in it. Uh, but I love that idea of the aroma of Christ to God. And it's a wonderful aroma of the death of Christ on the cross that paid for our sins that's saving many around the world, and God loves to smell that. Let's go to our next page there, Kyle. Um, it's just a simple four-point outline, and really I'm dividing it by the little sections there. Paul's continued explanation of his travels. This seems to dominate this, uh, this small book uh, that we're going through. And then... Um, Thanks be to God, this short uh, prayer he makes there, a wonderful little thing. Um, number three, we are all the aroma, for we are the aroma of Christ to God. So as we're out witnessing and bringing that to others, that aroma is drifting around and uh, saving people. And then verse 17, we end with, uh, we are not, where um, Paul compares his ministry to the peddlers. So, on to uh, point one, verses 12 and 13. Uh, as I said, this is all so short that I'll probably, I'll just read each time. Um, when I came to... Trollas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord. My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. We, um, I highlighted words in those first two sentences there and, uh, the first one was the gospel of Christ. And interestingly, just in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul had told us this gospel that he was sharing with all the different places he went to. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I, also deliver, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. We love that little section. Um, Paul is telling us the essence of the gospel. And we're going to get into that more later in this um, scripture reading. Um, the second thing I looked at was that um, just as Paul began to preach here in Trollas, uh, after reading in the... Uh, in the Acts, his travels, and here now in uh, Corinthians, and as you read each of his letters, that's the first thing he did when he came to town. He uh, 
He loved to preach the gospel. And of course, he'd been commissioned to do that. And so that's what he did. Uh, walked right into town. He didn't know who was there, and he started preaching. So next, I look to Paul had an open door to evangelize. That's something we all tend to kind of think, boy. I would love to have one of those every now and then where I can just share the gospel and somebody says, I believe it. I want to hear more, you know. But uh, it's not often. But Paul, of course, being God's minister to the Gentiles, he had an open door and had it open often. Uh, Acts 14, 27, And when they arrived and gathered, the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, a door of faith. So the Gentiles were, real, were willing and had faith to believe. Colossians 4.3, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So even in prison, here we have uh, Paul saying, hey, pray for an open door for me here in the prison, I guess. Um, he, was, he was God's man, and uh, so should we be. Uh, but if we want that open door, and here he says an open door for the Word, so he wanted to be able to talk about the Bible with people. He wants that door opened up. Um, this should teach us we need to be praying for that open door. Let me tell you guys, we live on the east side. If there's not a greater open door, I know there is. And somehow we're not reaching them as well as we should be. We need to continue to pray for that. Um, do you know, how do you know if you have an open door? If you guys are wondering. And... Uh, it's, uh, it's just a question that I, I had to myself. Um, and these, again, when I say these things, I'm talking to myself as much as I am to anybody else. I'm no better than the rest. Um, some of you are much better than me. You must first open your mouth and share the gospel with others. You'll never know if you have an open door if you're not sharing the gospel. Uh, it has to be happening happening and it has to happen often how often do we miss the open door by not speaking up be brave and courageous you ever you ever hear somebody talking and you think boy i could say something about the lord and then you think oh i don't know if i want to do this right here right now and you walk away and boy doesn't it get your spirit and you're like why didn't i say something um we need to speak up Speak up, be brave, be courageous. Uh, we don't even have, we're not in the part of the world where they're throwing us in jail yet uh, to share our, um, our testimony. Uh, they're not torturing us, they're not killing us. Come on guys, be brave. Again, I'm talking to me too. We have to do this. And then be obedient to the Great Commission. And that's our next slide there. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think the key things there is us remembering that Jesus has all authority, heaven and earth. There's nothing He wants more than you to share that good news, and uh, He will be with you in that. He says, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, that will be the time when we will all be with Him at the end of the age. So um, if you share now, He is with you. Um, next thing was God's or Paul's spirit. Um, Paul's spirit was not at rest because he could not find Titus. He had this plan, and of course, it's hard to imagine in the day when we can instantly get a hold of almost anybody in the world uh, with our cell phones. They had made plans ahead of time, I'm sure, for Titus to meet him in Troles, and um, Titus hadn't shown up. He was concerned about him, rightly so. In this, he knew in that day and age he could have been thrown in jail. He could have been stoned to death. And uh, Paul stops. He says he left there and was go and traveling to Macedonia. But Paul stops here in his storytelling and waits till chapter 7, verse 5. I am not going to spoil that for you other than to say it works out well. And if you want to look over to that section, it's interesting. But uh, this is Paul's cliffhanger, I'm calling it. Uh, he wanted to keep you in suspense while he gave you the rest of this. Um, point number two. Uh, verse 14, thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Um, this is a picture of what the people would have known at the time in their area. It's a picture of the uh, Roman triumphal procession um, I uh, copied uh, a little piece here out of uh, the Wearsby Bible exposition commentary where he tells us what a Roman triumph is the picture here is that of a Roman triumph the special tribute that Rome gave their conquering generals it was their equivalent of the American ticker tape parade if a commander-in-chief won a complete victory over the enemy on foreign soil, and if at least 5,000 enemy soldiers had been killed and they had gained new territory for the emperor, then that commander-in-chief was entitled to a Roman triumph. The processionals would include the commander riding in a golden chariot surrounded by his officers, 
The parade would also include a display of the spoils of battle, as well as the captive enemy soldiers. The Roman priests would also be in the parade, carrying burning incense to pay tribute to the victorious army. The procession would follow a special route through the city and would end at the Circus Maximus, where the helpless captives would entertain the people by fighting wild beasts. It was a very special day in Rome when the citizens were treated to a full-scale Roman triumph. Um, what, a, what a horrible day, too, to think that all those captives, they were feeding to these wild animals, and they would all gather in a giant stadium and uh, watch them be killed. But um, to relate this to Christ... Um, uh, he leads us in a triumphal procession. Of course, Christ would be our grand general in the, uh, in the chariot at the beginning of the parade. And by, behind him, close behind him, would be those of us who have believed and trusted in him uh, for our salvation, following him along. And behind that would be those poor people who've been captive, and uh, we'll learn about their, uh, their eventual doom later on. But uh, in this, the fragrance of the knowledge of Him, meaning God, is everywhere. This is a symbol of us spreading the gospel, good news, Him leading us through everything and us sharing that good news. Let's look at uh, our third point, verses 15 and 16. And uh, this one gets a little longer. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. That is this point. Let's see. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? We, um, as we think of this, um, not only of the Roman uh, um, triumphal procession, um, but thinking back um, to the days of Genesis and the flood, uh, it says in Genesis eight twenty to 21 Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of his heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. But the part I want you to hear there is when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma of that sacrifice. Uh, I, I know it's truly not like that, but in a way I always think of how when the neighbor down the way has the grill going and he's got some good meat on there and you smell that... Uh, 
barbecue going and uh, that that is a pleasing aroma to those of us who like things cooked on the grill but this is a pleasing aroma to God the the idea that sacrifices are covering over the sins of of people well when we think of that the sacrifices covering sin being a pleasing aroma let's think of Jesus Christ he was the most pleasing sacrifice to God ever a pleasing or soothing aroma fragrance to the Lord God spreading the knowledge of him everywhere <clears throat> Christ indeed um, is a pleasing aroma to God The gospel of Christ is always a sweet fragrance to God. It has a double effect when the gospel is preached or shared by believers. Number one, those who believe will be saved. And number two, those who do not believe will not be saved. Until we become a believer, we are enemies of God. We are on the road to hell. Our allegiance is to Satan and the world. We don't know true love. We are selfish and unthankful. God does not hear our prayers, and every sin we have ever committed is still held against us. Can you imagine that flood of sins that's just stacked up being held against the world and all those who have not believed? And uh, if the Lord were to let those loose, how terrible it'd be. <clears throat> the, uh, the unbeliever tells himself he's happy, but I don't think he is. Um, we all have remorse and guilt over our sin. And uh, the only way to take care of that is to bring it to God. Hebrews 9.22, indeed, under the law... Almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So the blood shed for our sin is Jesus Christ, uh, His blood. Um, it's hard not to think when you talk about His blood to me, um, our monthly communion that we do. When we take the communion, the cup, of juice or wine, it symbolizes Jesus' blood shed for you. Each of us who's been forgiven uh, caused some of that blood to flow. Only Jesus' blood can bring us forgiveness of sins. Only His blood. People like to do all kinds of things that they think make things right. Sean and I have noticed an awful lot of films, um, not that we watch that many films or TV, but um, it seems like the end when the bad guy or the person who did something wrong writes everything, it's by they give a whole bunch of money to the other person. Um, yeah, that's real nice, but um, it's not forgiveness. Uh, the only thing that brings forgiveness is Jesus Christ's blood and His 
from his crucifixion. Here we see in John 3.18 this um, dividing of two groups. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. So if you've believed in God, your sins are forgiven. If you believe in Christ, that is, your sins are forgiven. You're not condemned anymore. You're a believer who's saved. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So we have two groups, the saved and the unsaved, the believers and the non-believers. Each time the lost person hears the gospel and rejects it, God hardens their heart a little more. It is as if another nail is put into their coffin. How long do we have until it's too late? We never know. I've heard of and seen people that have made nearly deathbed confessions of faith. And uh, for them it worked out. But sir, for so many others, they have died before they got the chance. Um, I think his name I saw last night as I was doing some study online, a thing popped up and said that uh, I think his name was Matthew Perry, was it? That was one of the people on Friends, only 50 years old, 54 years old, drowned in a bathtub somehow. Now, whether there was drugs or alcohol, I, it doesn't matter. But if he wasn't a believer, it's too late. I'm sure he didn't go to that house and get in that bathtub, whether with somebody else or by himself, thinking, oh, I'll probably die in a few minutes. No, he wouldn't have thought that. He was thinking, I have plenty of time to make things right with God. Uh, Kyle, if we get that next one. Um, so... I do want to express, as long as you are alive, you can still come to Jesus, but time is short. And I think it's harder and harder for people to overcome their resistance the longer they wait. This Psalm 73, verses 18 and 19, Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them to fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors this out of psalms um, is saying what the lord is doing to those uh, who aren't his followers and it's a scary thought um, slippery places at any moment you could fall to your ruin i uh, i've had some pretty good falls on ice a few times one time i messed up my uh uh, rotator cuff and uh, within a few months I had to get that repaired but um, wet floor I used to mop floors at Lily's when I started there and uh, my dad always said that my dad always said that builds character son and uh, I guess it did you know you learn how to work but anyway a wet floor or a waxed floor can be can be pretty slippery and you fall down on that and it hurts hurts your pride um, 465 on a snowy day and I've seen a lot of those in uh, 37 some years that I drove across uh, town 
and through town on 465. I hated those snowy days as I had enough vacation in the end I started taking those days off um, whenever I could. But I guess what he is trying to say is maybe not so much that it's going to happen quickly, but that it's going to happen at a time you don't expect. And doesn't death seem to do that? Um, it's horrible at times, uh, but it's God's plan. Uh, the healthy man. He's always been healthy. He's an older guy now, but he can still run. He lifts weights. He's a healthy man. Boom, cancer. Boom, heart attack. We do not know. And um, the wealthy people, um, God bless them. They, they can get some great medical coverage. Um, they can get a chef to cook them healthy food. And uh, yet, I don't see them living longer than us. And at any moment, a heart attack can hit them. When you start thinking, oh, I have what I just retired so uh, recently, and um, I turned 65 here in November, and now I can make plans with my money and say, how can I stretch this out to last till, suppose I live to 85, or, you know, we were, my wife's watching a lady, she's uh, almost 95 now, and... Uh, how can I stretch that out? But while I make those plans, I keep thinking, who knows? Who knows? Do I have another year? Do I have another day? Today could be the day. And I think that's what he wants us to remember. Today could be the day. Think, young person. Um, we saw it in a horrible way as... Um, as my one son got into drugs and we went through um, kind of with him through rehab one time and um, probably helped us more than it did him but uh, it also uh, scared us too even in that short time we were going through this class um, two of the kids died of overdoses and here they were going through this uh, this class to try to get away from drugs. Uh, but sin, sin uh, pays very little dividends and its, its interest is high. Um, drugs, alcohol, car wreck. I think I told all my boys, I, maybe Gregory can tell me I didn't, Tim, but... Uh, it seems like when I was in high school, it was around prom time, one of the people, one of the kids, driving some other kids, they wrecked, and a couple of the kids were killed. Um, and over the years, I just seem to have noticed, always around prom time, always around graduation time, kids were thinking, their mom and dad thinking, Oh, these kids got 70, 80 years ahead of them. They're so smart. They're going to college, and yet they end up, their life is gone at 18 years old or 17 years old. 
It happens. It's a horrible thought. Here on the east side, we can't help but think of gunshots. We don't know. You know, oddly enough, at times we find bullets laying in the back parking lot. Spent. I mean, they've been shot. I don't know how they end up laying in our uh, driveway. Um, but this is, this is the area we live in. This is the area that I'm convinced is our open door to present the gospel. Probably talk too long on that. Let's see if I've got any time left. The gospel of Christ is what brings about life to some and death to others. Um, <clears throat> someday we will all stand before Jesus, either as our Savior or our judge. And let me tell you, we want Him to be our Savior, not our judge. But um, when we think of the gospel of Christ, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Um, that is our main weapon as uh, church people, as Christians, is to um, give that gospel out. Uh, the um, Romans 6.23, this one probably a lot of you, especially one of people, have memorized, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, it divides us into those two groups. The one has death. That's their wages for the sin, for their life of sin. It's death, and by that it means eternal death. Uh, the free gift of God is the opposite of that, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal death is death, death in hell, which we'll read here later. Salvation is complete forgiveness of all our sin. A new and lasting relationship with God the Father, Jesus Christ, His Son, who died for our sin, and the Holy Spirit, who indwells us, empowers us, and seals us as children of God. Eternal life with Jesus in heaven. No more sin, no more death. No more, no more pain. I want to sign up for that. Can I get an amen out of anybody here? Do you want that? Do you want your neighbors to have it? You know, I, when I read about eternal death in, in uh, the lake of fire, I can't, I can't think of anybody that I don't want to see there. And I hope you are that way too. What can those who reject the good news of Jesus Christ expect? This is a little longer than it should be, but uh, I think the end is what I really want you to hear. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one 
who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. So for people who have rejected God, here's this last line. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Can you imagine the atheist who has spent his whole life saying God doesn't exist? Or the person who just says, I, I just don't believe in God. I'm not an atheist, but I don't believe in God. We're just going to die. There is there's nothing after this life. As they die, as they close their eyes here on earth and they fall into the hands of an angry God, uh, what a shocking awakening. They're going to believe from now to a till eternity will never end. Um, but it's too late. It's too late for them. I guess that's what I'm preaching. Don't let it be too late. Come to the Lord. Another verse here. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9 And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Eternal destruction. Um, meaning eternal in that it goes on and on and on and on. And uh, it's hard, I think, for the world because God gives to the believers and the unbelievers alike all the blessings of, of uh, the sun every morning, the uh, moon every night, or when it's supposed to be there. Um, ground that grows food to feed them, animals to feed them. All those things come to those who believe and those to, who don't believe. But once this life is over, the unbelievers, um, they're not going to see any more of the presence of the Lord and the glory of His might and all it does for them. Here's another one, Luke 12, 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom, you, whom to fear. Fear him, and I think this is Jesus talking about himself. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I want to be on Jesus' side. I don't want to be against him. And I pray that you all would, uh, would want that also. We get here to the end of this little section where Paul says, 
And I think as he's been saying these things to us, like I've recognized these big themes, um, he says, who is sufficient for these things? Well, the obvious answer is nobody is. Nobody's sufficient for that. You and I, you know, it's difficult to wrap your hands around giving the gospel and to one, he's going to found salvation. And to the other, he is lost. He is going, going the way of hell. And uh, it's difficult to hear and uh, even more difficult to see. But who can do these things? Um, as I say, I think he's saying nobody is uh, sufficient for these. 1 Corinthians 10.15, the last book. Uh, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. It's that grace of God, and uh, without that, no, we're not sufficient. We have to have that grace of God, and even Paul recognized it. You know, probably one of the greatest preachers ever. Um, he was a man of God, truly. But even he had to say, it's not all my studying, and uh, it's not all the work I do, or... Uh, anything he said it's the grace of god that is with me and um, here's a here's a really uh, good quote out of uh, barnes notes it is a solemn thing to hear the gospel if it is solemn for a minister to, to dispense it it is not less solemn to hear it it is connected with the eternal welfare of those who hear and thoughtless has our multitudes who hear it, yet it is deeply to affect them the hereafter. If they ever embrace it, they will owe their eternal salvation to it. If they continue to neglect it, it will sink them deep and forever in the world of woe. Every individual, therefore, who hears the gospel dispense no matter by whom should remember that he is listening to God's solemn message to man and that it will and must exert a deep influence on his eternal doom the gospel is God's solemn message we always just think of the good news um, and it is good news but it's a solemn message from him it's like he is saying, guys, I can't make it any easier. I can't make it any more plain. You are going to go to death everlasting or you are going to go to life everlasting. You need to choose who you're going to follow. I chose to follow Jesus and I hope you do. Here in uh, our fourth and final point, um, we uh, look at, um, he says at the beginning of verse 17, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. 
Um, he says there, for we are not. So he had been saying, if you looked at the beginning of 15, he said, for we are. He told us what we are. And then he says, we are not. And he wants us, he wanted them to know, the Corinthians and us, that like, they're not like the peddlers of God's word. Uh, those who are going around trying to uh, trick people in uh, what they do. Um, Kyle, I think that's our last one up here. I know it's long. Um, I'm going to look at just the things that I want you to see there as you look at it. He's talking about false prophets. Uh, there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. Their sensuality will cause many to follow them, which is a sad thought. Um, and the way of truth will be blasphemed. Has uh, pastors, um, real and fake, um, go away from the truth? Um, has they're discredited? It brings discredit on the whole church they left and on all of Christianity uh, because of the things they've done. And then next here it mentions their greed. And uh, they exploit you with false words. Uh, that, I, that just so fixes to me the idea of the peddler um, or the snake oil salesman who sells this really neat jar or bottle full of something that uh, he says will cure everything you have, every ailment you have, and he's doing it to make money. Uh, these false teachers, peddlers of the word, they are giving you false words in a way to trick you into paying them more money. They probably would make a more entertaining uh, sermon than I'm giving you today. <laughs> Maybe they would keep everybody awake. But if their words aren't true, we don't want to follow them. And uh, I guess that's what I want you to get from that. So Paul, he was, what he points out here in this last verse, he was a man of sincerity. I think by that, he's being honest with you in what he's saying. He's saying what he understands. And he's doing it in a way that he hopes will convince you. Um, he's not a man of trickery or um, in a way trying to trick you into salvation. He's sincerely telling you, I have salvation. I want you to have salvation too. Paul speaks as one commissioned of God. God directly gave Paul the gospel to the Gentiles. He preaches and teaches in the sight of God. Of course, we all do, and we all live in the sight of God, and it's so easy to... Um, get sinful when nobody's around. And yet, there is never a time when nobody's around. God is always there with you. 
And finally, he says, we speak in Christ, or according to the words of Christ, you might have said. Uh, I'd like the uh, praise team to come forward. And I am running behind, but I hope to uh, get through this. I just want you to know, even as we read what Paul said there about... uh, the, the good news that inspired me to share this. Um, do you know what sin is? I just want you to know that first. To sin is to do anything. Um, and we do this in the cubby sometimes. Uh, Sean likes to remind them what sin is. Sin is not a word that the modern world knows. Uh, but... <clears throat> To sin is to do anything, to say anything, or to think anything that is against God's revealed will. Think of the Ten Commandments. Um, i just naming off a few here. Stealing, lying, adultery, idolatry, killing, coveting, lusting, um, Think of all the sins from the day of your birth. Are you a sinner? Uh, When we think of all those, surely you've told a lie in your life. Surely you've stolen something, whether as little as a paper clip or as big as a car. Um, Coveting, lusting. Those are things sometimes that we think we can hide. Um, Sure, we'd all like to have a nice van like John Evans has, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, covet it. Um, but we have so many sins, whether they're seen or whether they're unseen. And, um, and I ask, are you a sinner? If any of you replied in your hearts, no, no, I'm not really a sinner. I'm a pretty good guy. Well, you're lying to yourself because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. The good news is that God, in His great love for us, sent His only Son, Jesus, to be born of Mary. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. Despite His perfect innocence, He was sentenced to die on a cross. He was buried and on the third day rose again. He was the Lamb without blemish that was sacrificed for our sin. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I hope, as I look around here, these are all the people I usually see here. I hope you're all Christians. I hope you're all believers. But I know it's easy to hide. Maybe you are fooling everybody else, but you're not fooling God. Remember, everything you do is in His sight. Today would be a great day to change your side from being with the unbelievers headed to hell to being with the believers headed to heaven. Um, let, me, let me close in prayer. And if any of you are here that think, boy... Pastor Greg, I'd like to talk about that a little. I think you got it all wrong, and I want to straighten you out. Um, 
come on over and visit me. I'm just going to stand over there. And uh, we, um, we just appreciate, I appreciate you being here and listening to me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that uh, you sent Jesus at the right time uh, when we were as lost as can be. In fact, you did it before. We who are standing here were even born. Yet you knew we would be sinners, and we, you knew we needed a Savior. And Jesus, you died on that cross. Your blood shed for us washes away our sins. We just have to believe it and trust in it and tell others about it. Be with us today, Lord, I pray. Amen.